Amen. Well, how many of y'all can say amen to that? God is the best thing. The Lord Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to any of us. Amen. And the best thing about any of us is Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Well, how many of you brought your Bible tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? And if you will, I want you to open up to page number 101 tonight. 101 if you have an old Schofield Bible or if you don't have one to the second book in our Bible, the book of Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25 tonight and page 101 and if you will just leave your Bibles open there for just a moment and I want to preach from this text tonight if you'll bear with me for just a second. I'd like to leave something with you from the Word of God that I trust the Lord will use and help, help us with in this service tonight. Don't forget our Wednesday night service at 7 o'clock. I think you will, those of you that have been coming will recognize I've been preaching through the life of Samuel. And uh, this Wednesday night, and I don't normally do this, but this Wednesday night, I'm going to divert from that uh, about the life of Eli for just a moment. And I want to preach this Wednesday night on this thought, why did Eli's boys go bad? Why did Eli's boys go bad? And I'd like for you to come to hear that. And it's just a message about, hey, let's do our best uh, to bring our kids up right. Let's give them to the Lord. And man, we got to trust God with all of this. You know, there's so much wickedness in this world. We got to just trust the Lord. But we've got a part to play in that as well. And so I just want to preach a little bit on Wednesday night about why his boys went bad. And I don't want your boys to go bad. I don't want your babies to go bad. I don't want my babies to go bad. Amen. Nobody wants their babies to go bad, do they? And there's nothing in the world like the hurt that a parent experiences when their child goes bad, goes wrong, and I hope you'll be here for that on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Let's read now Exodus chapter 25, and I want to begin reading with verse number 10, all right? Leave your Bibles open. Don't get caught up in all this. Let me read it, and then I'll, I'll offer up an explanation for it tonight. Verse 10, and they shall make an ark of Shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it, speaking of the ark, overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it. And thou shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves in the, into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Now reading that, you're probably thinking, what in the world does that have to do with us? Well, it has a lot to do with us. If you'll just leave your Bibles open for just a moment and open your heart and just let us allow the Lord to speak to us. I'm preaching tonight on the subject of the beautiful box. The beautiful box. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. Help us tonight, we pray, and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you've been with us recently in our Sunday evening services, then you may remember that I've been preaching on the subject of revival in our uh, recent Sunday evening services. But I kind of feel like I did that a little bit this morning, and I don't want to beat a dead horse to death, so I thought to myself, you know, I might divert from that tonight and just uh, believe this or not, I I'm going to try to be an encouragement in this service tonight. 
Now, I'm going to tell you right up front that uh, as I preach tonight, I am afraid. And basically, the reason I'm afraid is for two reasons. Reason number one, because usually when I try to preach an encouraging message, it always flops. Now, I can preach on hell, I can preach on judgment, I can preach on damnation, and preach all day long. But when I try to be an, encourage, an encouraging preacher, it always flops. I mean, I normally, I normally lay an egg. I'm talking about, I'm talking it's terrible when I normally try to preach an encouraging message. So I'm a little bit afraid even going in this direction tonight because normally it just don't go over good. But then the second reason that I'm a little bit afraid as I preach this message tonight is because I'm going to preach a little bit about the Old Testament tabernacle. Now, if you're wondering why in the world would you be afraid because of preaching the Old Testament tabernacle, it's because John Moxley is a member of our church. I don't think there's a man alive today with a greater knowledge of the Old Testament tabernacle than Brother John Moxley. In fact, we say around here that if Moses ever had a question about the tabernacle, I'm sure he probably asked Brother John Moxley uh, for some instructions regarding that. So I, I just want to tell you a little bit right up front that I'm intimidated just a little bit preaching on this subject when we have an authority that's a member of our church that, uh, that, that's forgot more about the tabernacle than I'll ever, ever remember about it. But if you'll pray for me for just a little bit, I want to give it my best shot tonight. Now, what I'm interested in, basically, is maybe not so much as the tabernacle itself, but more importantly, just about one article of furniture that went into that Old Testament tabernacle. I'm talking about the Ark of the Covenant, which literally was a, a box that went inside of that Old Testament tabernacle. Now, I do know what I'm about to tell you is true. Most of the time when you and I, we go about building a house, we build the house first, and then we go out and buy the furniture in it to go in it a little bit later on. Isn't that how that normally goes? We, we, we don't worry so much about the furniture part of it up front. What we're worried about is, hey, let's get the house the right size and the number of bedrooms and the number of bathrooms. Let's get the amount of square footage that we think we're going to need for our family. So let's build the house. We'll worry about the furniture a little bit later on. But when you read about the tabernacle, you'll find that God did it in opposite of that, in reverse of that. God said, okay, I'm going to build a house. But before I ever even get into the dimensions of the house, let's talk a little bit about the furniture that goes into the house. So that tells me something, that all this furniture that went into that Old Testament tabernacle, must to have been mighty important for God to address the furniture before he ever even talked about the house. You see, in reality, these articles of furniture that went into that, uh, that, that Old Testament uh, house uh, was, uh, was God's way of teaching us certain truths about himself. Now, I'm interested tonight for just a little bit about this ark of the covenant or this box that went inside of that Old Testament tabernacle. The ark itself is referred to 180 times in the Word of God. Sometimes it's called the Ark of the Testimony. Sometimes it's called the Ark of the Covenant. Sometimes it's just called the, the Ark of God. Sometimes it's called the Holy Ark. So whatever you want to call it by, I can say this about it. Outside uh, of all the articles of furniture that went into that Old Testament tabernacle, the most important piece of furniture that went into that, that was ever built by human hands, was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, many of you have watched the movie before, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
How many of you have ever seen that movie before? Well, then you've kind of got at least a, a little picture in your mind, a little imagery in your mind about what I'm preaching about tonight when I talk about this beautiful box. You see, in that art, God teaches to us the ABCs of the Christian life. More than any other article of furniture that went into that Old Testament tabernacle, the most important piece, without doubt, was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, don't ever get in your mind, don't ever think that that box was God. Uh, you mess up. If you think that box was God, I'm telling you, you done messed up. If you think that God was in that box, then you've done messed up. Israel got in trouble one time because they thought that box was God. They was going out to fight with the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and we're going to get into that a little bit later in our preaching through Samuel. But they had to go out and fight with the Philistines as a little bit afraid. Somebody said, hey, why don't we go get the Ark of the Covenant? Why don't we go get that box like it was some kind of a rabbit's foot, like it was a four-leaf clover, like it was a magic genie lamp? Why don't we go get that? And let's rub on it a little bit while God will be with us. We'll go out and fight the battle and we'll be victorious. But we know those people had gotten so far away from God that God was not going to bless them, but they made the mistake of thinking that that box was God. Hey, don't you ever refuse, uh, don't you ever confuse the symbol for the substance. Don't ever confuse the relic for the reality. Hey, I'm glad my God's too big to fit in a box. Amen. I'm glad I'm not worshiping a box. I'm worshiping a God, a God that is manifest in three persons, his name, and one of the names is, is the Lord Jesus. And I'll tell you something, more so than any other picture or article of furniture, that Ark of the Covenant was a picture of the Lord Jesus. So if I could tonight, I'd like to just brag on him for just a minute. Hey, he's worth bragging on, isn't he? Hey, he's worth lifting up, is he not? Hey, he's worth shoving to the forefront. Hey, let's put the spotlight on Jesus. Hey, let's don't talk about the Baptist tonight. Boy, I'm glad to be a Baptist, aren't you? But hey, it ain't about being a Baptist. It's about Jesus. It's about him getting the glory and the praise and the honor and the majesty that he deserved. So for just a few minutes from that box, let me talk about Jesus for just a minute. Now, first of all, as we consider this box and look at our text tonight, we understand that that box represented the person of the Lord Jesus. It represented the person of the Lord Jesus. Now, some of the articles of that furniture that went into that Old Testament tabernacle, they referenced the work of the Lord Jesus. I'm thinking right now that brazen altar. I mean, the first thing, when you walked into the gate of that tabernacle, the first thing you met when you walked into the gate was the brazen altar. That brazen altar was made out of brass. Brass in the Bible is a symbol of God's judgment. And it was there at that brazen altar where the sacrifice was slain. It was presented to the priest. The priest would then offer it up as a sacrifice to God. And that brazen altar represented a place called Calvary. The brazen altar represented the work that the Son of God had came into this world to do because just as offerings were offered continually upon that brazen altar, Jesus coming to this world to be God's once and for all perfect offering. I'm talking about one that'll never have to be repeated again. Hey, aren't you glad when you come to church tonight that you didn't have to bring a bullock or a turtle dove with you? Aren't you glad you didn't have to come into the parking lot dragging the cow behind the car and come into the house of God trying to pull that thing in? I'm telling you, the reason we don't have to do that is because when Jesus died on 
old Calvary. His was the sacrifice that would do away with all the other sacrifices. No other sacrifice is now needed because Jesus did it once and for all. And the Bible said that when he finished, he sat down at the right hand of God, signifying the work was completed. Amen. Hey, you can't get in a baptistry. You can't join a church to get right with God. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can receive the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary. And thank God that sacrifice will make me and you right in the sight of a holy God. Some of those articles represented the work of the Lord Jesus. But there's one article in that Old Testament tabernacle that represented the Lord Jesus himself. That's right. The Lord Jesus is represented in this Ark of the Covenant more so than any other article in that, in that tabernacle. Now that box, the box I'm talking about tonight, according to the dimensions that were given there in verse number 10, was about four foot long. It was about four foot. had to be about this long. It was two and a half feet wide, and it was two and a half feet high. And then we're told, according to verse number 10, that it was made out of shadow wood. Shadow wood was considered to be an incorruptible wood. It was hard. It was tight grain. It was born. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was born. It was, it was raised. Uh, it had lived out in the Sinai desert. And boy, I want to tell you, all that, all that desert wind and, and uh, the hardness of the sun beating down on it made that wood durable and made that wood tough. And then we're told that they made this, they, they got this box and they put it together and then they overlaid it both inside and outside with pure gold. Now let me tell you what this bo box represents. It represents the dual nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. The wood speaks of his incorruptible humanity. You see, Jesus came into this world, and friend Jesus, when he was born into this world, was born as a human being. But unlike any other human being that's ever been born in this world, he wasn't, he didn't come with a sin nature. The Bible said of him that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. Hey, can I tell you something? I've been tempted in all points like as you are. But I've not been without sin. You've been tempted like in all points like as I have. But you haven't been without sin. But boy, can I tell you about one tonight who came into this world and felt every temptation was pulled in every direction just like you are, just like I am. But when the dust had settled and the smoke had cleared and the temptation was over, he stood in his integrity. He stood in his perfection. He stood in his flawlessness. He stood in his sinlessness. I'm telling you, the wood of that ark represented the incorruptible humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the devil threw everything he had at him. I'm talking about that 40-day temptation there in the wilderness. You better know the devil hit him hard. I mean, threw everything. Had a hell's, the heaviest artillery aimed at the Son of God. But when it was all said and done, Jesus, when he finished that great temptation, he stood there in his perfection, in his sinlessness. There's not a one of us in this building that can make that claim tonight. I can't say that I've been tempted in all points, yet I've been without sin. You can't truthfully make that statement neither. But I'm glad I got a Savior tonight. 
Amen. He's not like some politician that's got skeletons hid in the closet. And as sure as we have an election season, they're going to start bashing one another and pulling them skeletons out of the closet and say, you did this, you did that, you did this to this woman, you did that to that woman, you said this, you said that. Hey, I'm glad I can tell you I've got a Savior. Hey, you can go back to Genesis 1-1, jump one million years off into eternity's past, and you'll never find one sin, not one flaw, not one foilable, not one failure, failure of his life. He is the incorruptible son of the living God. Yes, sir, that wood represents his incorruptible humanity, but being overlaid with gold represents his indisputable deity. Amen. You see, his dual nature, human yet God. Hey, it was no accident the night that Jesus was born that those wise men came bearing gifts of gold. No, sir. It was no accident that when they built this ark that God said, overlay that wood inside and without with pure gold. You know why? I'll tell you why. Jesus was inwardly and Jesus was outwardly. He was Almighty God. While it is true that He was totally man, it is also true that He was totally God. Jesus was not just 50% man and 50% God. Understand, He was 100% man, yet He was 100% God. And when you fuse those two together, when you got that old hard, incorruptible wood and you overlaid it with pure gold and you fused them together, you have a blending together of of the humanity and yet the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God of God, very God, but he was man of very man. He was and is the God man. He was enough man that he could be born of a woman. But he was enough God that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was enough man that he could get thirsty and ask a woman for a drink of water. But he was enough God that he could rise up off that well and give her a drink of eternal everlasting water where she would never thirst again. He was enough man that he could get hungry and request food. But he was enough God that he could take a handful of food and feed 5,000 people. He was enough man that he could get weary and go to sleep uh, on the backside of a ship but in the midst of a category 5 hurricane he was enough God he could rise up out of the bows of that boat and say peace be still and there would be a great calm he was enough man that he could stand in the graveyard and weep tears over a loved one that had died but he was enough God that he could say Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth he was enough man that he could die on the cross bow his holy head upon his holy breast and give up the ghost but three days later he was enough God thank God he could walk out of that tomb and say I am he that was alive and was dead but I'm alive and alive forevermore in this in this this piece of furniture we understand a little bit about the person of the Lord Jesus but I'm not done because we take it a step further we not only learn from this ark about the person of the Lord Jesus, but we learn from this ark about the position of the Lord Jesus. What I mean by that is this. Jesus, from this ark we understand where Jesus is always supposed to be. I find it interesting in our text here 
that before God started talking about any other article of furniture, before God mentioned about the post to put the skins on, to build the tabernacle, before he ever gave the dimensions of the tabernacle itself, before he ever talked about the fence that went around the tabernacle, before he ever talked about the brazen altar, before he ever talked about the labor, before he ever talked about the table of showbread or the candlestick or the altar of incense, before he ever talked about the veil, the very first thing that God was interested in talking about was the ark of the covenant. You look at verse 14, the Bible said, And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. You know what that tells me? And you follow this ark through the scripture, you'll find out when Israel journeyed, every time the Shekinah glory cloud would lift off the tabernacle, off the mercy seat, Israel knew, hey, it's time to pack up. It's time to go. And every time they would grab the ark, and the ark would go out in front of the nation of Israel. As they marched through the wilderness, the ark was always first and foremost. If you'll study the Bible in the book of Numbers, here's what you'll find. Here's how it worked. When the glory cloud lifted off the mercy seat, it was time for Israel to go. And what would happen would be Aaron, the high priest, would go into the tabernacle. And there was a veil that separated the holy place from the holiest of all. And Aaron would take that veil down, that curtain that separated those two compartments. He would take that curtain down and he would walk in there and he would take that curtain, that veil, and he would wrap it around that ark. And then a particular family of the tribe of Levi called the Kohathites would come in. Nobody else had the responsibility of moving that ark. Those Kohathites would come in and those men with those staves, those long pieces of wood overlaid with gold that was put in the, the rings on the side of that ark, they would pick it up, they would bear it up, and they would walk out of that tabernacle. And Israel would follow that ark of the covenant wherever they went. The ark was always first. It was always foremost. It was always, always out front. It always took the lead. It was always number one. And Israel was commanded, watch the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. Follow the ark. God says to me and you today, keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow Jesus. Watch Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, that's where you go. Friend, I want to tell you, that ark was always first and foremost. Can I say Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, just don't want a place in our life. And Jesus just don't want prominence in our life. Jesus wants to be first. Jesus wants to be foremost. Jesus wants to be preeminent in our life. Hey, hear me hear me well. Jesus just don't want you on Sunday. He wants you on Monday. Hear me. And by the way, if you're his child, he has every right to say that to you. Hey, he just don't want you on Sunday. He wants you on Tuesday. He wants you on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He deserves it. He's worthy. He ought to be preeminent, number one in our life. And by the way, you watch this. When you put him first, good things will happen in your life. I'm reminded of when the nation of Israel, there's those Kohathites. I mean, got that stave, and their men are marching with that ark. I tell you what, that thing had to weigh a ton. Shot of wood overlaid with gold. 
I remember the last time Brother, Brother Moxley set the tabernacle up here in the church. You may remember. I think it was probably, if not the last time, close to the last time he ever preached on the tabernacle. And we set that tabernacle up in this church. And, and right in the middle of that week of him preaching about it, somebody died. Why, could, why did they have to die during the week of the tabernacle? You know why? Because me and one other man had to come in here and move that whole tabernacle. And can I tell you something? Without doubt, the heaviest piece of that furniture that we had to move was that Ark of the Covenant. It was just plyboard sprayed with gold paint. But I'm going to tell you, that thing weighed a ton. Can you imagine the Kohathites picking that stave up and there they go marching through the wilderness? Out front, a distance between the ark and the nation of Israel so they could watch the ark. But I'm telling you, God was where God ought to be. He was foremost. He was out front. And good things happen in your life and in my life when we keep Jesus foremost, first, and out front in our lives. When they came to the Jordan River and it was time to cross the Jordan River and that crazy river had swelled over its bank. It was at flood stage. Israel probably thought, how in the world are we going to get over? God said, get those Kohathites. Let them pick up that ark. And when them Kohathites step into that river, that river with that ark right in the middle of it is going to part and Israel is going to go across on dry ground. Hey, hey, you got any rivers you can't cross tonight? Let God be first in your life. Let God lead you alone. Let God take care of things. They came to the walls of Jericho. God again said, grab the ark. March around those walls one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, march seven times around and then blow the trumpet and shout. And the Bible said the walls came tumbling down. You got any walls that's standing in your way tonight? Let God be first. Let God be foremost. And God can and God will take care of the obstacles that's in your life. Amen. Here's one of the best stories about that ark. I love this story. Listen to this. The Philistines stole the ark. Remember, remember when old Samuel, remember that story? And Eli, and they grabbed the ark, went out and fought with the Philistines. To make a long story short, the Philistines whooped the fire out of the Israelites and stole the ark. And when word got back to the camp that the ark of God had been stolen, Eli, that same guy I'm going to preach about Wednesday night, was a heavy guy. He was kind of fat, and he was leaning up a wall against a chair. And when he heard that ark had been stolen, he fell back. And when he fell back, he broke his neck and he died. That's a, that's a story in our Bible. And then you remember the story. Them Philistines had that box I'm preaching about. And they treated it like it was some kind of a trophy that they'd won in the battle. And they carry it into the house of their God, whose name is Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, the fish God. He had, to, he had the face like a man, but a body like a fish. And they set that ark down right in front of their false God by the name of Dagon. Well, they go back in the next morning, and guess what? Old Dagon is falling flat on his face. I'm so glad I got a God that'll never fall flat on his face. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, he has all power. So they set him back up. Well, I'm glad I got a God that you can't set back up. Amen. He can't be measured. Amen. I mean, man, he, he's God. He's, he's too big. He'd fallen down. And they set old Dagon back up. And the next morning they come back in. And not only this time had he fallen down, but he just fell all to pieces. He was broken to pieces. Can I tell you something? When you put God first in your life, he'll crush all the other gods you got in your life. 
You say, preach, you don't understand. I, I really struggle as a Christian. I, under, I, I struggle much with, with this or that. I struggle with alcohol or I struggle with pornography. Can I tell you something? Bless your heart. You put Jesus first. Hey, you let him be out front. You put him first and foremost. You let him be God in your life and watch and see if he don't destroy the God of alcohol and the God of pornography and any other gods you may have. You'll come in one morning and those gods will be falling on their face and they'll be crumbled at the presence of the God of glory. I'm talking about the person of the Lord Jesus. I'm talking about the position of him. Let's put him out front. But I'm done. This is my favorite part. I want to talk number three about this. I want to talk about the provision of the Lord Jesus. Can I tell you something? That ark tells us that God will meet every need that we could ever have in our life. You see, later on, they built this box. Of course, they put a slab of, mer a slab of gold on top of it called the mercy seat. But a little bit later on, they started opening that thing up and putting stuff in that ark. There were three things the nation of Israel put inside of that beautiful box. Let me show them to you. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 8, uh, chapter 9 and verse 4, here's the three things they put inside that box. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. We'll be done. He said, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid around about with gold. We just read that. And then he says, wherein was the golden pot that had manna? So evidently they'd slid the lid back on that thing and put one of those pots of manna in there. You remember the manna in the Old Testament? Manna, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? That's what the name manna means. What is it? And they slid that top back and put a pot of manna in there. Then a little bit later on the Bible said this. They took Aaron's rod that budded say, preacher, what has that got to do? Well, they put that old, that old rod, that stick in there. And then the Bible said this, and the tables of the covenant, the law that Moses brought back from Mount Sinai, they slid that lid back, put it in there, and pushed the lid back over it. Now, believe it or not, believe it or not, those three things tell us that every need we'll ever have in our life is met in the person of of the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I know you're dying to go. You're dying to know. I can just see it in your eyes. You're really dying to go. I see some of you going. But can I just tell you what Jesus wants to take care of for you? Can I say that number one, we learn from the this art, number one, that Jesus will take care of our failures. Our failures. I, I'm talking about now where it talked about the, the law, the covenant, those ten commandments. When they slid that back and they put it in there and then they put that mercy seat back over on top of it, aren't you glad for mercy tonight? Hey, can I tell you something? Those ten commandments were given to humanity not so that we could be saved. Those commandments were given as a schoolmaster to teach us of our need for Jesus. Those ten commandments, God didn't give those ten commandments. I know Israel said all that the Lord has spoken we will do. They just didn't know what they were saying. Nobody's ever been able to keep the Ten Commandments outside of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible said that if you've ever broken one of them, how many of you broke at least one of them? If you broke one of them, you're guilty of breaking them all. But I'm telling, by the way, I had somebody tell me not so awful long ago, said, I just, I just live by the Ten Commandments. 
Are you kidding me? Let's just suppose one time, let's just suppose this, that you fell off a cliff, and right before you went over, you grabbed a hold of a chain that was anchored to a rock, and it had ten little rungs in it, just like that, ten of them. And you're hanging there, help, help. And about that time, one link in that chain begins to crack open just a little bit. Just one of them. Just one cracks open. And eventually it stretches out, stretches out until the, 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 what you're hanging on to gives way. Are you going to shout on the way down, at least the other nine held? No. It don't matter about the other nine if that one broke. And can I tell you something, bless your heart, everybody under the sound of my voice, including the one who's preaching tonight, has broken the law of God. I have broken the commandments of God. I've not just broken them one time, but multiple times, over and over and over again. But aren't you glad because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, that old high priest would go in there one time a year with the blood of a spotless lamb. He'd apply that blood on top of that mercy seat. And when God looked down through the arms of the cherubim, in in wrath and in anger and in fury over the fact that I'd broken the law and the commandment of God, God saw the blood was applied to the mercy seat. And God, God had mercy and God forgave me of all of my failures. Jesus can take care of my failures. Aren't you glad for that? How many of y'all failed the Lord recently? Yes, sir. How many of you failed him in the last five minutes? Last week, how many of you failed the Lord? How about last month? How about last two months? I failed the Lord, but I'm glad because of Jesus. Jesus takes care of our failures. But then we read about that pot of manna. That tells me Jesus is going to take care of my food. There was Israel wandering in the wilderness. And they got out there and all their supplies that they'd packed the night they left Egypt, all those supplies were gone. They started murmuring. Would to God we was back in the land of Egypt. We ate freely the leeks, the cucumbers, the cloves, the garlics, the watermelons. Freely? Are you kidding me? You didn't get nothing free in Egypt. They worked hard for it. They were in servitude for it. Boy, I wish we was back down there. Moses, you brought us out here to starve. They woke up the next morning. Listen to me. They woke up the next morning and chicken McNuggets was laying all around the camp. Manna. I mean, it was laying all about the camp. All they had to do was just go out there and pick it up, put it in a... And on the, on the day before the Sabbath day, God gave them twice as much to get them through the, the Sabbath day. You know what that tells me? If God can feed two to three million uh, Israelites out in the middle of nowhere with not a grocery store in sight, not a McDonald's around the corner, if God could feed them, hey, you better know God can take care of our food needs. You say, preacher, it's, it's bad days, coronavirus. They're out of toilet paper. And, and they're out of this at the store. But I'm glad I can tell you there's a Savior, friend. Amen. Hey, listen, we may not, but he, he grows good corn cobs. He is going to take care of my failures. He'll take care of our food. Amen. And then last of all, we learn that God's going to take care of our future. Now I'm talking about that rod that budded. You say, preacher, tell us about that. I'm glad you asked because it's a preacher's story. Really, they bucked up against Moses and Aaron and said, you guys taking too much upon yourself. Boys, hey, y'all think y'all the only ones around here that God speaks through. 
hey, God can speak through us. Moses said, oh, really? So you're telling me that God's chosen you before he chose me. Yes, well, exactly what we're telling you, Moses, or Korah did. That's exactly what we're saying to you, Moses. You ain't the only, you ain't the only preacher around here. There's a bunch of us around here. Moses said, let's do a contest. And they got some rods, some dead sticks, and laid them in the tabernacle. And uh, the next morning they went in there, and Aaron's rod, Moses' rod, had, had budded. God had brought life out of a dead stick. Hey, can I tell you something? One of these days I'm going to die. <laughs> and this crowd over here is saying amen. I'm going to kick off some of these days. Coronavirus, whatever, heart attack, stroke, something's going to get me. One of these days, I'm going to die. And they'll plant my old dead stick in the ground somewhere. Don't burn me, bless God. No, sir. You burn me and you. when we get to heaven, there's going to be a fight break out over there. Stick me in the ground. Plant this stick in the ground. But don't worry about it. On resurrection morning, hey, something's going to bud. Something's going to blossom. Something's going to come up out of the grave because I serve a God that not only can take care of my failures and my food, but thank God he'll take care of my future some of these days. He's in control. And because of him, I got something to look forward to. And so do you. Brother John Moxley, I'm sorry for that. Bless your heart. Thank you for sitting and listening to it. Jesus is going to handle it all. Amen. Let's pray. The beautiful box. Lord.